listening to Seeing the Sequel, a movie podcast about sequels to films that were never made. Probably for good reason. This week, we are talking about 1964's black comedy classic, Doctor Strangelove, directed by Stanley Kubrick and starring Peter Sellers and George C. Scott. And, as ever, alongside me, three men who... Gentlemen, you can't fight in here. It's the war room. I've got Al, I've got Joe, and I've got John. Welcome back, guys. You're listening to Seen the Sequel. As you know, we've got 30 minutes to come up with the story, come up with the cast, come up with the direction. And in this episode, we're going to try and not use the word masterpiece. Well, we've all watched a film recently, Doctor Strangelove. Who wants to kick things off? Joe. Masterpiece. Doctor Strangelove. <laughs> Such a dick. Um, it is, though, isn't it? Yeah, probably is. It's very, very good, isn't it? Um Oh, I enjoyed what I did. I enjoyed rewatching it so much. I watched it for the first time probably when I was about eighteen, um, which is maybe a bit young. It was like you know, like for a film. I, I enjoyed it back then. I liked it a lot. I've always liked it, um, but I think with rewatch now, I, I understand it uh, a bit more. Um, oh, it's brilliant, isn't it? Unbelievable. I I, I actually bought the. Um, Criterion Blu-ray for this rewatch, uh, and it is lovely. Little oh, plug that, there bet, for them. Bet that, I bet that looked nice. Yeah, it is very, very <laughs> Why nice. Why did you say that so weird? Because uh, I couldn't, I couldn't oh, get bet, words oh, out. Bet, I was I like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it looked incredible. What a good-looking film. Um, obviously, that's not that's not like the last what, thing. Stan- you, Stanley Kubrick, funny. I, well, I've never really thought of it as like being a. A, a a a very visual film uh until this rewatch and it but fuck me yeah it looks stunning um very very funny isn't it um i think george c scott is i mean peter sellers is great right he is he is brilliant but george c scott as the what, what is what is he army like major um general g- isn't he? general just trying to you know convince the president to go to war uh is is when it becomes it's when for me the film becomes very very funny um, he looks a bit like a cockerel at times like his face contorts so much yeah. his jaw sort of goes down it's it's and his eyes sort of burst out the, the sockets yes yeah, it's, it's a great performance is it um yeah it's a funny it's a very funny film i think it's um well yeah it's a five-star movie Nice touch. All right, great stuff. Joe hates it. Al, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, it, what can you say about it, really? I mean, I do think it is an absolute piece of art, you know, wonderful. I know what Joe meant by it's not something you associate with your favourite, you know, shot films, but the cinematography, um, the Ken Adam production design is is just is just wonderful. Um, and obviously it's an incredibly satirical sort of social statement, you know, that sort of kind of feels timeless even though it is of the time so much and um i <laughs> i mean i mean I, I agree with um what you said about all the performances really and obviously peter sellers is uh, the you know the standout as all the different roles i think my favorite to point to the film is peter sellers as the president on the phone to dimitri <laughs> like like that's ad lib do you know that well believable because the point of it is is that Never once is there even a hint of the fact that somebody isn't on the other end of that phone. 
and that you know the character so well, even though that's all just done by Peter Sellers. I mean, that 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 is, it's a two header without the second head. And those sequences, you forget, you basically forget that there isn't someone on the end of that phone. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, look, big, big <laughs> fan. I know what you mean though. It sort of feels like in your head, as you know, we all grew up at a similar time. You're getting into Kubrick as a teenager, you know, as you're sort of inhaling all the cinema. It feels as almost a secondary one, as in obvious ones were Clockwork Orange, 2001, mm. The Shining. I thought, I think yeah. they were the ones that were, I was exposed to first. Um, so I almost filed this away with Spartacus in terms of like, you know, kind of a film that I wasn't expect, I wouldn't expect to be him. Um, but once you rewatch it, you realize, like all of his other work, how it is a standalone piece of art. And, um, and you know, like, you know, we, we were, Curry, we were talking about the exhibition um, mm. that there was in London uh, a couple of years ago. And, and that certainly stood out how all of his films, you know, it's almost a sparse body of work, but how every film is just such a tentpole of, um, you know, of, of cinema on its own. It's ridiculous. And when, yeah, we'll come on to that. I mean, I'm going to have a little rant about this, but before I do, your turn for a little go, John. Um, yeah. So yeah, I agree with all of these things. I think you're right in that Strange Love does kind of stand out as being quite different to the other films, uh, Kubrick's other films. I think part of that is that Kubrick isn't really, you wouldn't ever call him like a comedy director, would you? And yet he's made one of the best comedies like that's ever been made. Yeah, it's a good point. Um, so I think it's so I think it's a, it's difficult to classify it. It's difficult to compare it directly to his other films because even though it's got the same kind of filmmaking quality and stuff, it is tonally and sort of in uh, goals and stuff in um, presentation. It's it's incredibly it's incredibly different to those. Um, but yeah, yeah, and the, the timelessness of it, like you said, like. Um, even though it's of the Cold War and it's a it's a look at the Cold War, like it's still the idea that nuclear war is uh, like crazy and you'd have to be crazy to even promote it or think of it as a legitimate option. And then he's made a film that's mad and crazy in its entire presentation to like reflect that. Um, so it's a case of like the actual form of what he's showing you is a reflection of just how wild the actual just concept is that he's showing you at the same time, which is brilliant. And also like ahead of its time in a way that I thought one of the statements taken away from it this time I watched it was that when it's all on the line, when it's the end of the world, it's mm. probably going to be a, a nutter man who is responsible for it. And it will ultimately just come down to men trying to just like you and me, not special, particularly trying yeah. to fit, trying to figure it out, you know, yeah. and, um, and how hopeless that is in a way, how that's why, even though it's the most urgent film ever, there is kind of no urgency ever. Like, yeah. you know, it, that is, which is incredible juxtaposition. Great point, man. Yeah. yeah, hundred percent. And also I was going to say like, not only is it just regular people trying to figure out this impossible problem, <laughs> They're, do, they're still being regular people at the end. Greed and corruption and these human things are still at the forefront of their mind. They're still just, even though everything's about to end, they're still just, what can I get for me right yeah, exactly. now? Which is what all, you know, you could put that to, um, you know, well, look, look at the government in the UK at the minute. Let's not get into it. I'd certainly say, um, you know, self-serving is um, a word, that, a phrase that could come up. Do you, um, I was just going to say before we, there's two things I want to say really. I mean, I think this film is so significant that in some ways, I know it might sound trite, but it's almost like some, I feel that it's almost beyond comment, Strange Love. 
it exists. I think you, you nail on the head, Al. It is a piece of art. Uh, and as such, I just, I can't fault it. I, as with, as with any Kubik, it's always the depth, the, the breadth of his topics, obviously, but the, the depth that each one that you're immersed into, the depth of detail, of character, of set design, of, of plot, of subplot, of, of how you're left feeling and analysing. It's with all of his works that is always on reflection and it's always the secret of a great film that you still go back to it and it resonates today. I, I just think it, it just has so much of that. Obviously, there's the, the cast is, is phenomenal. The set design, the war room is just jaw-droppingly stunning. Stunningly beautiful. The the shots as well are just obviously obviously ridiculous. I'm saying obviously a lot because you just when you're watching a Kubrick film, you can just relax into it, going right. I'm going to be treated here to how you should make a film. Uh, I was just looking. Um, I never knew this actually. I'm just reading this online that the original ending for the film was going to be a cream pie fight. Yeah, I in the that. war room. Um, which would have been quite quite, quite fun. Um, but I just think it, it is that good. And I think in years to come, we will still be talking about it. And it's just, yeah, it's, it's that good. Uh, and so quite a daunting task we've got ourselves today, guys. Um, you know you know us. They, they came to the, the three men uh, and, and me for the job. They thought we want something serious. We don't want any messing about here. We, we want a straight up serious sequel to Dr. Strangelove. So... Without further ado, who wants to kick off the sequel? I never thought I'd say this. Who wants to kick off the sequel to Doctor Strange Love? It's a pretty. It, it's a. It's a. I think it's. It's actually a lot easier than I thought this was going to be. I, I don't know about you guys, but I, God, you're setting us up there. God, <laughs> I don't know, Joe. I don't know, Joe. I think we've got cocky here because we've done Spielberg, we've done the Coen Brothers, we've done Scorsese, we've done Cameron, we've done Hitchcock, and we were like, "Fuck it, let's do Kubrick," and here we are on the cross. Um, ready think, to get um, the nails out. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm. I'm ready. I, I, I feel Come on like, then, mate. Let's go on then. Well, go on then, mate. I mean, the the end of the film obviously is, you know, the end of the world in that all of the world's nuclear bombs. Uh, so the doomsday device, you know, is triggered and all the bombs go off, right? Mm. Uh, and then you get that hilarious scene. Uh, in the war room where they realise what's happening and and, uh, and Dr. Strangelove himself says, we're going to have to go down a, a mine. <laughs> uh, and it's just fucking hilarious where he then, you know, says there'll be a 10 to 1 ratio of <laughs> women to men. Uh, it's and- just one of those great scripts where every time you think it's the end of the joke, he goes a little bit further. <laughs> <laughs> he goes a little bit further. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and they're all going to have to be chosen for their... Um, you know, sexual prowess. Is that the word that he uses? I can't remember. They must be very stimulating. They must be stimulating. Well, that kind of sets up your sequel, right? As in, we now know, and, and the, 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 the Russian ambassador goes away taking photos, I guess, because he wants to get some of these, like, you know, war room secrets to, uh, to, to the Russian president at some point. So I think you can assume off the back of that, they go into a mine. Um, the Americans go into a mine and the Russians go into a mine. And I quite like the idea of, so that, I, th- I think that's easy, right? As in that gives us, that gives us our sequel. It's either going to be set in the mine or um, they're going into the mine for a hundred years. So why not set it in 2064 when they're coming out of the mine? 
and mm. maybe you have a bit of both. Yeah, so this is actually pretty similar to my idea, to be honest. I didn't, so, um, so yeah, so I, I envisaged the, uh, these sort of like underground bunkers that they've got as like giant, like city size, like over 100 years of excavating them and building them. They're just like cities. They got like, and then the Moscow one, I was thinking, because the Moscow underground system, the trains are set up as underground emergency bunkers and each station can be closed off as secret ex- um secret protection sites for oh, the wow. population in a nuclear attack. So I was thinking the Russians could go and that, that would be their city under there. The Americans would have one, yeah, like a giant one under under something silly, like under, under Mount Rushmore or something. There's just like mm. this like um, feels, huge feels complex. Um, yeah, I think it's good. You know, let's do it as doomsday's happened and, this, and you know, there's time has passed, I guess, and... Uh, and this is the, the the heading to the surface. But I think uh, the potential the potential sort of setup. Um, so I think yeah, you could you could end it with coming out of the mine uh, and and seeing seeing what happens there, or or you could have it partially set in in the in the post well you know the post nuclear fallout the- world. But that what I thought was quite fun as an idea was um, they've spent a hundred years the Russians. And the Americans have spent a hundred years thinking that when they come out of the mine after a hundred years, they're going to have to take out the other the other team. Yeah, this is where I was going with it. Yeah, definitely. So, I if I can just jump jump on it, I Go on now. I think that what we've got to have is the stupidity of mankind. Right? We, you know. <laughs> something there has to be some uh, some stakes and the 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 idiots that are going to do it are, is us so i reckon it's the build up to the 100 years so it's year 99 right and they they they've got this plan which is all about what we're going to do when the clock the clock strikes on the 100th year so they and immediately they maybe have built a, sh- a plane you know like a rocket ship that's going to sh- go straight over and start trying to bomb them um, so, or, or at least potentially bomb them, you know, see what they find and be prepared to take them out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe there's another rogue general or something like that. So it can be in the wonderful witty script that would obviously be just as good as the original. Better. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's just, let's just go with it. It'll definitely be better. Um, <laughs> you have all the, the, the buildup of the plan, the U S plan. This is what they're going to do when they reach the hundredth year. Um, Maybe it was forged by Dr. Strangelove before he died many years back um, in the mine. And then, you know, your last act is the, is them go, or the second half is them going on the mission and then you play it across the both like you do with the plane and the war room in the original. Yeah, I like it. The, um, it's actually not too dissimilar to Fallout 3, which is a video game. It's very similar. (laughs) It's incredibly similar. Um, I don't play video games. Um, (laughs) Yeah, that's no bad thing. I think... I think because um, we've got an interesting sort of juxtaposition as well, because if it's 100 years and they've been completely separated from each other, they haven't been influencing each other at all, their, their societies and their cultures would be like potentially wildly different from each other. So mm. now they both come out at the same time, but they're just completely different. Like they were different before, but now they are just like barely any semblance of each other. They can't even, like, their language has evolved or something. They can't even understand each other's language anymore. Like yeah. the, the Russians, the Russian that the Americans could speak isn't even Russian anymore. But they, but the the point is, just like the Cold War, they're all they're planning for at the hundred year mark, is is based on the assumption the others 
the the opposition that the enemy are going to be taking them out. Yeah. So right. like yeah, so like that's all that anyone's mentality is based on because they'll never know. Yeah. So as soon as we can at hundred years when the when the uh, the nuclear fallout has settled and like Doctor Strangelove knew it exact to the point you know to the to the second, <laughs> um, <laughs> they're going to fly a rocket out and start you know going to war basically. I think that's yeah. quite funny. And you know literally after the end of the world, the first yeah, thing they're yeah. going to do is go to war. Well, yeah, and they and what they've <laughs> done to to and they they had to go underground to save themselves from a nuclear winter and what have they spent a hundred years doing just building more nuclear bombs yeah, yeah. fighting for war again <laughs> yeah yeah preparing for war brilliant i've got a good uh i've got an idea for a little subplot here what about if both sides have got moles planted in each one now you've got to think about this as well uh, this is a hundred years so the moles will have grown up and they're going to have to have children that they're going to have to train to be private moles so by the time they come out and they're giving information and sending it across backwards and forwards so you've got the protagonists in many ways you can have three parties couldn't you you can have those that are intent on destruction we got to do this we got to beat them you're going to have those that are going to try and talk them down no no they're learning they're changing and you're going to have those that are going to be sharing information backwards and forwards so it's almost things are getting confused messages are going out you know it's just like it's happening it's not happening it is happening so the Build-up and the stand-up can be, could be like a ripple effect. Could be growing, going down, growing, going down. Where misinformation is going backwards and forwards. Yeah, a mole, mole idea is fun because you could, uh, you know, in, in the very American mind, you could have a, uh, a a very American person that's just also got a bit of a Russian kick to his accent, like a little, yeah. a little twang. Well, you can you can see them having fun with that, making it, it really gets, obvious that he is a mole. It's fun it being lost in translation as well, right? That sums it up. So why would the why would the Russians? Because I think what we do is that we never see the Russian side, right? So the president's got getting signals from the the mole in the Russian camp that we never see, yeah. And we and we see the Russian mole sending messages back to back exactly. to back to Moscow. But what messages is he going to send? He's going to send that. The US are planning for war. Well, that's yeah. the thing. So that's what's, yeah. so it's the wonder. It's the wonderful catch twenty two of it that um, they're both just causing the war to each other. Mm. Basically, well, the, you can have, you can see a scene where the Americans are, have got a message through and they can't work out. Does that say bomb or they are going to bomb or, or they're not going? They're going to bomb. So does it say that? Does it not? You know what I mean? It's like the whole thing's based on this bit of paper with a writing on it that can't work out what it means, and it could mean something like turn the electricity off or fridge but they're like no no means bomb sir fridge is bomb <laughs> yeah and there's some strange sort of delivery device that they've, they've somehow worked out something that can sort of skim across the surface even yeah. though a human can't go out yet um <laughs> yeah. are we gonna, i have a question are we going to um introduce any other world superpower into this yeah. uh well, I, I had a, a, another bit of my idea that I kind of threw away because I thought it was too complicated. But I did think that maybe China were, had just stayed on the surface and it wasn't as bad as everyone thought it was going to be. And they'd actually just like taken over the whole planet. So when, they, so when they come out, it's like, oh my God, Russia and America have been so busy building giant <laughs> nuclear warheads for 100 years underground that, they've, that someone else up top has just taken the whole bloody world over in the, in, in the world they've been distracted. That's quite funny. Yeah, that's quite good. Like a, a reveal in the last 10 minutes. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. they come out and they open that. it, and it's just like they open it to like this, just like carnival scene, and it's like <laughs> the world's actually just fine. In many ways, I don't know why I'm thinking this, but it's almost like the end of Blackadder goes forth when they go over the top. It's all leaning towards that thing, and then the doors finally open. They're like, ah, 
Oh, yeah. Like the guy, <laughs> like they, they're reporting back, um, you know, from the you know, on the radio from the ship, and then all they do as they're looking down at the Chinese carnival, all, all they see is the Russian ship just go straight past them, and they've done the exact same thing. And the, and the pilots, pilots' eyes meet as they go past each other. Realize, realize how they've wasted the last hundred years. That's funny. Well, they could, they could, the door could open. They could come out charging, and they'd be like, ah, and they'd be in the middle of a Chinese shopping center. And it's a great little statement on how you sort of uh, you seal your own fate as well, doesn't it? I suppose, great, yeah, exactly. I suppose, you know. I'm really happy with this. Okay, well, great. That's a much stronger plot than I thought we'd have. Can I throw one other thing in, actually? Yeah, yeah, go. You mentioned that Dr. Strangelove died, like, a while back. Does he, does he have to have? Can he, can, like, can he not... I wouldn't put it past Dr. Strangelove down there in the mine with, you know, lots of scientists and, like, resource at his disposal he's found a way to prolong his life mm. um and he is still he's still down there like pulling some of the strings yeah yeah dude and- dude ai he's put his brain into a computer well, he's just- and the computer is called dot dr strange love yeah some, something yeah, something like that quite a nice well, like, a bit like hal but yeah. it's dot strange basically <laughs> which keeps us in the kubrick rain <laughs> Lovely. Okay. Well, um, let's start talking characters uh, and cast. Obviously, um, the legend that was, uh, the troubled legend that was Peter Sellers really sort of carried this along with Scott and a whole host of others. James L. Jones as well, I forgot was in this film. Mm. Who are we bringing into this film? Well, I think we have, um, well, first of all, are we wanting to sort of mirror the fact that um, an actor plays several roles? Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, why not? I the the person I've thought would be quite good for this is Jim Carrey. I thought Jim Carrey when you said that. Yeah, absolutely Um, not. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely not. If he was alive, I'd have put Robin Williams in this. No well, way no. are we taking Jim Carrey. Robin, Robin Williams would have been the probably the top bet. Yeah. I Um, think. Okay. okay, The next best thing coming to America, Eddie Murphy. I I went straight straight to Sasha Baron Cohen on this. Oh, yeah, it's, it's, Ianucci production. Oh, as well. Sorry, I just said the director. Yeah, that's uh, a really that's a really good shout. But yeah, it's, be, he he could one, do it. Probably. I don't know. I think like Bill Murray would be good. Murray, Bill Murray, put it. Oh, oh Murray would smash the back. Maybe as an American president, or maybe as or like as a general. Murray, I want to yeah. see Bill Murray as an Ameri- as as the as the George C. Scott sort of like general that's that's Beautiful. you know really sort of gung ho and just wants to wants to make sure that we shoot first. That'd that's be it. awesome. That's it. Mm. Bill Murray is really welcome. You're right. So I say I think Sasha Baron Cohen is a good shout. But well, you can he's see not him American doing like, he wanted the president. Well, to be, oh no, what well, about the mole? He could be the mole. The sellers. There's some allies in there, aren't there? There'll be some allies down in the mine. So you could see him doing the, um, like the, ver- the, the British general, or is it what, you know, the first character that Peter Sellers plays. Um, yes. yeah. RAF, the RAF dude. Yeah. Um, you can see him playing that type of thing very well. You can Lionel see Lionel Mandrake, British yeah, RAF that's exchange it. officer. You yeah. can see him being hilarious as that type of role. You can see him being as hilarious as a president, as an American president. Yeah, I think you're right. I, I, I think I think just I'm going with my personal taste here. It feels like it's it lessens the film a little bit. 
Do you know what I mean? To have such, uh, look, a lot of fans it's out there. It's because of the work. other films. He's I'm done, sorry, isn't it? Jim Carrey. Well, <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> Ace Ventura, mate. I was going to say, Al, you're talking shit on that one, mate. <laughs> well, I guess it's just because, like, the guy from Sonic the Hedgehog. I enjoyed that. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was all right as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, Sasha Baron Cohen. I'll go with that. And look, let's be honest. He is a satirical political activist. He fits the bill. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I, I, okay. So so far, Murray, Sasha Baron Cohen playing Sasha Baron Cohen's playing uh, president. He's playing Russian mole, uh, and he's playing what? Maybe one of the actual. Well, I think he plays humans the, down he, he, there just living. I think no. I think he plays the whatever version of Strange Love we have in this, like a okay. computerized, like maybe within the computer. I don't know. Are we yeah. doing the computer thing? I think it's. I think you can't. I think you need to get away from the seller's character, but keep Strange Love in it as a character. So computer is a good way of just basically saying, here's the brains behind the yeah, operation. Yeah, it is. And Sasha Baron Cohen can do the voice of Definitely. that uh, robot mm, uh, sure. version of Strange Yeah, Love. it can be like a treated version of Strange Love. So it's not like yeah. he's doing a p- on-point exact impression. No, it's he's just... been translated into a computer, but there are glitches along the way. So he keeps mm, having a bit mm. of a spaz out, starts see... singing or something, you know. Is there like a little image we see like Hal or like, you know, is there a face like Holly in just Red two, Dwarf? The two glasses. The two glasses yeah, could that's just good. be like the eyes of the computer. That's just cool. could be two black circles. Yeah, or something with his glove as well, like his, his, <laughs> yeah, his fascist yeah. right arm. <laughs> the, fa- the fascist right arm, the wheelchair, the eyes. You could, you, the, we get some very, very talented designers to do us like a logo or something like that that yeah, fits the bill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great, great. I feel we need... Um, female strong female lead in this as well the mini original film is very male orientated ego testosterone but i think we need to learn from that maybe and i think there's a female uprising that you know even though they only let the the sexually stimulating women as they as they say allowed into the mine i think um since then it's been a hundred years there is like a, a a movement of more pacifist women or not maybe not necessarily pacifist but certainly less gung ho you know who could do a much better job than the men that are in there and they they barely get listened to and on a satirical level you know they are they are they are all the audience's voice of frustration okay so we're going to need a strong female lead uh, who would we like to put in I mean, maybe she could be the first lady i suppose right i was going to say great shout we need a first lady guiding the president Glenn Close. Oh, well. Fantastic. <laughs> Glenn oh, I... Close and Sasha Baron Cohen are married. That's a bit weird. No, no, Listen, she's the first lady. Was don't that's start me said. off on Glenn he's Close the pre- again. He's the president. All right. We've been here, we've oh, been right, here yeah, before. That's what first lady means, isn't it? <laughs> what, <laughs> what is this film called? That's difficult. So can we... So what's the... The original's called Dr. Strangelove and How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb, correct? I think you nailed it earlier on, Al, but I don't think you picked up on it. Year 99. Year 99 is not bad if you want to go straight. We brand it as Dr. Strangelove because that gives us another it has, subtext. It has to be Dr. Strangelove, yeah. Yeah, and then, Dr. And then, Strangelove, and then a sub, subheader. Or 20, 2063 or something because it's, it's 99 years, right? Then it's all leading up to the 100th year. I think year, so, yeah, we work the year 99 thing in, yeah? Like, Dr. Strangelove 99. <laughs> that, that would confuse, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, wow, it's been out that long. I didn't even Dr. know that. Dr. Strangelove... <laughs> um, the year we came out of the mine or something. Well, yeah, I was yeah. going to say, well, can you, can... Um... The year we learned to love. Oh, wait. 
Fucking hell, that's... Well, you could just take, take like, <laughs> so it can't, like... I'm just going to say Doctor Strange Love and, like you do, like an Indiana Jones kind of what? thing. So Doctor Strange Love and, yeah, you know, Doctor Strange Love and the journey to year 100 or something. Well, or, or we copy the title of the first one and just have it like Doctor Strange Love or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Leave the Mine or something like that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. No? You yeah, said yeah. mine was shit. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> something like that is, is, is good. Right, well, All let's... Right. I'm sure someone will nail that in the pitch, Al. Um, <laughs> well, look, the biggest <laughs> elephant in the room we've got to talk about, and, and I think, you know, we could spend hours on this next one, and we're all going to have some very specific ideas. No, I know I have. I've done it. I've done it. Director, oh. go. I think there's three choices for me. Go on. Taiki Waititi. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Um, Armando Inucci. No debate. Yep. Yes. And um, Quentin Tarantino. Al, who are you going with? One of the first two. I think I'd probably just give it... Uh, I just don't feel like Onichi's like qu- quite such a, a... Even though Copperfield started to go that way, quite such a... A visionary, a visual cinematic director. Yeah. Uh, director. I, I, I feel like he would need um, a, a very good uh, a production design team behind him to to make it cinematic. Because I agree, he's kind of TV. Exactly. Death yeah. of Stalin, so though. So Death of Stalin. Yeah, it's on his it's on his way. Like, and if he keeps on doing these films for another ten years, then maybe I'd say yes, he's he's he can do it. But I just um, I'm still not I quite think, happy for it. I think some sort of combination of Ianucci and. Watiti. So you'd have Ianucci on like the writing and like consultancy team, but then Watiti would be actually would actually be directing it. He'd actually be like laying it out, laying it out at the end. He'd bring the flair and make it look stunning. I think that Watiti actually behind the camera, Ianucci on the script and making sure it's funny. I, I Wr- th- writing the intricacies of the script, you know, like the dialogue especially. There's there's if you've got that team, there's a very good chance that this would be excellent. It's true, and I and I do um, miraculously half like our idea as well. Which... Well, I'm glad you said that, Al, because now it's coming to the all important pitch, and one of you three is taking Doctor Strange Love two to the pitch room. Uh, John's done a couple recently, so I'm looking at you uh, two. Who wants to do it? What do you reckon? Yeah, go for it, mate. Oh, All you. That was, <laughs> that's, not, that's not where I was going with it at all. <laughs> Al, no pressure. This one's yours, mate. I wish the audience could see the smile on Joe's face there. <laughs> sat, sat, sat back in his chair. Smart, um, Okay, so remind me of the studio on this. I believe it's a Columbia Pictures film. Um, beautiful opening titles to the original. Absolutely beautiful. Wonderful sort of... Um, uh, sort of a ballet of the refueling and stuff of the plane... Mm. Um, you know, against something obviously which is quite monstrous. Um, so let's go with that again. Like wonderful, beautiful music. This time, just on the charred surface of planet Earth, um, and we we see we vaguely recognise different areas from around the world. Um, this time, all scorched and destroyed from nuclear winter. Hundred years of nuclear winter. Um, 
Um, then we delve into the mine, the US mine, um, beautifully designed based on the Ken Adam design of the original, um, but you know, obviously, obviously modernised. Um, and uh, we meet our president, uh, Sasha Baron Cohen, and then we, you know, we reveal that we are in year ninety nine, and all systems are go with his general by him by his side, played by Bill Murray. All systems are go for the very moment that they are going to um, get out on year 100. But of course, the big problem is that they know the enemy's been in their mind. And the, instead of going out, waving a white flag and wondering how if you can plant a tree and start life again, they're actually fucking, all they've been doing all 100 years is planning for war. Or <laughs> um, made all the better be by Sasha Baron Cohen, who also plays a Russian spy who's in the, who's some, who must have been there in the first place, I guess, who's in the, um, who's in the, the, the American mine. Um, and he also, you know, the, the, the whole mine, sorry, I should have said this to start with, is ran under the, the iron fascist left hand, right hand? Right hand. Right hand of, um, of Dr. Strangelove, who lives on in the AI computer that uh, runs the entire station and is secretly kind of influencing everyone, everyone who lives in there. So we're on year 99. We build up. It's, 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 there's, a, there's also a female sort of uprising. You know, they, they only let in the, the, the sexually stimulating females, but um, they've, they've gradually, um, you know, realised that all these men running the show are complete morons and are probably going to lead us straight back down in the mine as soon as we get out. So they're, they're, trying, um, they're trying to influence. They're, they're, there is a female uprising that, um, that is, is a little little less uh, gung-ho um as we build up to the climax 99 we have uh, other characters who are like our pilots and the, you know the, the crew of the ship that are going to go out the bomber that's going to get launched like a rocket straight out of the mine and uh, reach our final uh, final sort of 20 minutes Psh, launched it's time click on 100 on the clock launch out they go and what's happened they realize that there's been a complete miscalculation and the Chinese have actually taken over and taken advantage of the fact that everyone in America and Russia is gone. And the Chinese are just living a very peaceful life up there and have now taken all the land. And just at the moment that the pilot is reporting back to the president that we may have made a terrible mistake here, he sees the Russian ship fly by him and their eyes just meet in the middle of the sky and off they go back into the distance. <laughs> that's how the film ends. And that's Dr. Strangelove. That's the equivalent of the guy riding the bomb. Amazing. Just those two, the two ships just passing by. How I learned to stop worrying and love the mine. Leave the mine. Love the mine? Oh, love the mine. Because that's, that's like... Oh, the there you go. Right at the end. Well, well done. Nice one, out. I was worried about that, but I was really happy with that episode. Well done, everybody. Good shout. One day we'll get the Cohen Bros back. One day, guys. But until then, uh, you've got this episode. Let us know what you'd have thought. Um, as ever, guys, any ideas you've got, let us know. You know, we love doing them. We love hearing them. Uh, but more importantly, as ever, we don't care about that. We just love having you here. And we'll see you next time. Cheers, guys. <laughs>